Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. For more information, visit us at vkcwest.com. We started our Get Wisdom series last week, and so it's a series where we're walking through the idea in Proverbs, which is that above all else in life, get wisdom. Like if you can get one thing in life, get wisdom. And so we have groups happening. Hopefully you guys have hopped into those, or you can take the sheet that we provided. You can have a group anywhere, in your home, your workplace. Uh, so I hope you're doing that. Um, but here's a recap from what we talked about last week, because it's foundational for our whole series, is that um, God's will for our lives is that we would be in relationship with him and that we would lead a good, true, and satisfying life. Uh, that's just the truth. That's what we see of God. Um, but to have that, we have to participate. And to participate with God's will, we need wisdom. Uh, we need to know how to do this life with him. And so that's what we're looking to do over the next few weeks is get more of that. Um, and we get wisdom by how? How do we get wisdom? Yeah, okay, I didn't teach well last week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we get wisdom by what? By asking for it. That's just all throughout. It's just, it's not a complicated thing. All throughout scripture, God says to ask for it. If you want wisdom or you need wisdom, to ask God for it. And so how do you get wisdom? All right, okay. You guys are warming up, getting going. So two important verses we talked about last week guide us. The first, Proverbs 4, 7, says the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. And then the second one is Proverbs 1, 7, which is the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. And so anybody ever done that? Like despise wisdom and instruction? Yeah, you don't have to raise your hand. Thank you, though. Thank you for your honesty. Were, were you raising? Oh, you were just you were just stretching. Yeah, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. But no, I I shared a little bit about mine last week. But but we all do that. We despise wisdom and knowledge and correction, and we just we push it away, and then we end up doing foolish things in our lives. And I shared this quote last week from T. S. Eliot. He says, "Where is the life we have lost in living?" I mean, think about that. Like we, we get robbed and we rob ourselves of a true good life that God has for us in our living by the choices that we make, the things that we do, the relationships that we damage, the, the, the things that we say and do that, that we look back and we say, wow, that's not really wise. And so with that, in this series over these next seven weeks, because this is important to know is that uh, we really believe that by the word of God and by the work of God, by his spirit, that we truly can change. That like the real people that we are is changed and transformed by the work of God. There's not religious games being played. Like there's real transformation, real change, that hearts of stone are turned into hearts of flesh that are soft. That where there's wounds, where there's bruises, where there's hurts, that those are actually healed. We believe that God does that and we see him do it. And so as we go through this, what God will do is he'll give us wisdom where previously we had foolishness. 
And it's all around us, right? Like, like our lives, the quality that we have right now are the product of our utilizing wisdom or not utilizing wisdom in our lives. And so over these next few weeks, I mean, dream big. I mean, swing for the fences. You know, what needs to change in your family tree? Like what, what needs to be absolutely just turn totally around in your relationships and in, in, in maybe it's health. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't know, but something that you say, this needs to change. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. That's what wisdom does in our lives. And uh, this week we are, by the way, we're starting to read Proverbs on Wednesday. So there's 31 chapters in Proverbs. It's one of the wisdom books. It's the one we're focusing in on. There's also Ecclesiastes and Job. But so on February 1st, we would read, and there's a card in your bulletin. On February 1st, we would read Proverbs 1, chapter 1. And then on February 2nd, and so on. And we'll go through March 3rd. And so I want to encourage you to, to grab that card, put it in front of you, check it off. Um, and if you're not used to reading the Bible regularly, uh, this is what I do. And it's, as a teenager, as I met Jesus, you're like, well, how do you do this? And so I sit down, and I say, I talk to God, and I say, God, would you speak to me? I need you. I need to hear from you. I need your help in my life. Would you speak to me? I'm quiet for a minute, and then I read. And sometimes he grabs me, you know, through a certain verse, and I write that down, or, or I pray through that thing. But typically a chapter of the Bible will take you seven minutes to read. And then at the end, pray about what he showed you. You do that every day in your life, or, 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 or even every other day, and you're going to see phenomenal stuff happen in your life because you're meeting with him and knowing him. So we're doing that as a church. Let's, let's all go through that and, and, and get wisdom. At some point in your day, grab into there and do that, and we'll see chains fall off. I really, I really believe it. That's something that I'm pretty careful about, like saying, you know, hey, this is what God said, that sort of thing. But I really felt like God spoke to me clearly, like this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to I'm going to turn things around. Chains are going to fall up. People are going to set free of things in their life as they take wisdom into their lives over this next several weeks. And so, so let's lean into that. Um, so here's the thing about relationships, which is what we're talking about today, is relationships is the real you. So we have our public persona. We have our performances. We, we have our you know, the things that we do in front of people, we have uh, our careers, we have, uh, you know, the, the outward appearance of things, our cars, our houses, our, you know, our, you know, apartments, you know, whatever. The things that people look at on the surface. And that's not the real us. See, the real you, the real me, is really the quality of our relationships. And the quality of our relationships is whether we are utilizing wisdom or not in our relationships. That's it. And so I remember when we were getting ready to, we were interviewing to come out here to pastor this church. And so they sent me this questionnaire of like 30 questions. I'm like, wow. 
You know, okay, it's quite a few. And so one of the questions said this. It said, um, how would those that know you best describe your family? I'm like, wow, what a great question. Because what was it asking? It wasn't asking, it's, hey, you've sent us teaching, you've sent us, you know, your resume with your, but, but who are you really? What's the quality of your relationships? And, uh, and, and so I, I just, I enjoyed that question so much. But that's really what we're asking today is, is like, what's the quality of your relationships? Because that's really who you are, right? Because at the end of the day, it's, it's not how great of a performance happens or this, you know, you excel to this height or do this, but like, how do people feel when they're around you? What is people's experience in knowing you? What do the people closest to you feel from your life? Uh, I, I was thinking about this the other day. We were, I was, my wife and I were having breakfast with a couple and, and uh, they had met this one baseball player. And I said, I said, oh, I used to love watching him. Is he a good guy? No. It, you know, and it goes back to like the, uh, you know, the Bill Clinton thing, right? Remember in the 90s? And the whole thing was is like, you know, he's president, but he's doing questionable things with people. And, 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 and the argument was, well, it doesn't really matter. That's separate from his job. But no, in, in reality, we know it matters. We know that, that our relationships and how we treat people and do things is what really matters. And yet people tell you, no, it's just the outward persona. Uh, you know, wisdom is, is, is really like the missing ingredient a lot of times in, in, our, in our relationships. Um, because relationships are hard. And so uh, I was thinking a couple Thanksgivings ago, you know, we love pumpkin pie, uh, you know, for Thanksgiving. We like pecan pie too, apple pie too, but, you know, I don't know. I like, we like pie. And so, but uh, Michelle, my wife, makes great pumpkin pie, just so good, and the crust is so good. And, and so every year it's a treat. You know, to sit down, enjoy a piece of pumpkin pie. And a couple of years ago, and I asked her if I could tell this, by the way. So, and I said, I said, I said, I sat down, I'm eating it. And, and she, and I, and she didn't want any yet. And I just said, I, she goes, how is it? Good. Good. You know, you know, and so I, I get back up and I, I put more whipped cream on there. And it's like piled high. And so, and I'm just like, what is it? What is it? And then, but I'm sitting there, I'm not saying anything, you know? And, and so, and then, and then she sits down and she goes, oh, I'm like, right? You know, it's, you know, it's, and, and so anyways, we, we, we forgot to put sugar in, right? You know, we forgot, we forgot to put sugar in, in when we made the pie. And so, I mean, that's how wisdom is in relationships, right? We get that feeling, oh, this isn't how it's supposed to be. So I'd ask you, how would those that know you best describe your family, your relationships? Uh, how would those that know you best describe your work relationships? How would those that know you best describe your neighborhood relationships? Or how would those that know you best describe your marriage? How would those that know you best describe your friendships? Uh, because uh, wisdom or the lack of, again, it, it, it's, in a, it, it's like a teeter-totter. You know, maybe you haven't done that lately, but I used to love to get on the teeter-totter, right? But you need, you need another person for that. 
And so, you know, you get on a teeter-totter and uh, it's kind of fun. You know, you get somebody that just weighs ton and then you get a bunch of kids, you know, they, they, they try to pull the thing down. And, and well, wisdom is, is the unmovable. Like there's nothing that's going to impact your relationships more than wisdom or the lack of. You guys with me? You guys understanding? Last week, ask for wisdom. This week, wisdom impacts relationships more than any other thing. Being able to see relationships. And so before we get to the other topics within our series, we're going to talk about the words that we speak. We're going to talk about sexual integrity. We're going to talk about work relationships, wisdom at work, all sorts of things, which are the things that impact our relationships. But this is just having a philosophy of wisdom within our relationships. So you may ask yourself, you may say, well, which relationship, Cody? Which relationship would I focus on today? Which one needs your help right now? Like as you look at your life, like which one you look and say, man, I really need wisdom in this part. Write that one down. Um, Take a mental note of that. Uh, But focus on that one as we walk through this, through this lens. So first we're going to see the scene of relationships. And you know, like in, in a play or movies, you know, you have a director and they say, they say, okay, action. And in, within that scene, it's, it's a part of this bigger thing that's going on, this play or this, this, uh, <clears throat> this movie. But certain things are supposed to happen with this scene. Uh, and, and, and directors, they'll say, no, cut, cut, and then they'll take again. If what they didn't intend to be seen and experienced happening within that scene. And so God tells us in Proverbs 27, 17, what the scene is in relationships. He says, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. So just like iron is sharpened by iron, people are sharpened by people. So iron is sharpened by the same kind and people are sharpened by their same kind or people. Where it says a person is sharpened by another, it speaks of countenance, or the word actually means face. So another one, like, sharpens somebody to the point that it's deep within them that you can actually see it on their face. And so the scene of relationships is that God created people to benefit other people. That just like iron, see iron, you think of a sword, it's supposed to be sharp, and so it's able to be sharpened by other iron. And with people, we are supposed to benefit other people. Now, here's the problem, is that um, I don't think we, we always see the, it this way, right? We, we, I mean, think about some of your relationships. You're like, no way, man. I don't know about that relationship. Or you think your current relationships are past. You say, how is that there? And, uh, you know, I mean, you can take this all sorts of ways. You can can decide who's sharpening you. Because that's the interesting thing is that you can be sharpened in a negative way. So you're sharp in an unhealthy negative way. So if you let people influence you, right? The old thing that, you know, the top five people you hang around you, you actually become like them. They've shown, their studies have shown that the, 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 the income or the, uh, the, the worth, the net worth of the top five people you 
spend most time with, you'll, you'll gravitate around them or, or their health. You'll gravitate to their physical health, emotional, spiritual health. Like people sharpen us in that way. It, you know, and so positive or negative is how it works. But it's important that we actually see people as the way that God helps us grow. The, the primary way that God moves in your life is people. <clears throat> the primary way that God answers your prayers is people. So if you want to know what God is doing in your life, who are the people in your life? Who are the relationships in your life? And, and even, even, even hard relationships in your life. You look and say, man, this person at work or this neighbor or, or it could be somebody closer, you know, my spouse or my child or my parent. And a lot of times God will be speaking to us about ourselves in the midst of those relationships. You know, a lot of times it's more important, like if somebody really is annoying to you or they bug you or they frustrate you, a lot of times the most important thing to know is not why are they doing that because people do what makes sense to them. Okay? I mean, let's all just be set free. 99.9% .9 of people are not dark-hearted people that are trying out to get you or hurt your world. The vast majority of people. People are just doing what makes sense to them. And so when we're in relationship with people, wisdom would say, the way I'm reacting to this person is actually much more important than the reason why this person's doing what they're doing. Because God is revealing something about me. He's showing me something about me that he wants to help and move and work in. Uh, Henry Cloud, psychologist and counselor uh, uh, and uh, John Towson, I think. So they wrote Boundaries and a bunch of other books and... Um, uh, but they're Christian guys. And Henry Cloud, you know, talked about when he was uh, first a Christian uh, in college, he, he said he was feeling depressed. And so he, he was asking God, you know, God, uh, you know, would you heal me? Would you, would you change my heart? Would you help fix me? Would you do this? And, and he says that God didn't do anything. He didn't feel any better. And so he talked to a Christian friend and he said, hey, um, this is the way I'm feeling. Can you help me? And the friend said, no. You know, and he's like, oh, man, this is not going. So then, but he gave him a number of somebody and then he met this couple and then this couple said, yeah, we're going to help. Like, and they, they said, well, we're going to disciple you. And, and then he says like over a period of time that he actually felt better in this relationship. He was being sharpened by them. But he still was struggling with this idea and he came up with this saying, he said, he said, well, I guess God has a plan B. You know, that plan B that, that God would use people to heal me, that God would bring, be, uh, bring people that would answer my prayers. But somehow God's not doing his plan A. And he says, in, in a, he has a book about how people grow. And he says, the, the chapter is called God's Plan A, People. And so the scene of people, you guys, whether you're good relationships or you're 
hard relationships. That is God's plan A to work and grow and heal you in your life. That's wisdom. That's wisdom for relationships. That we would not reference people by the problem that's happening or reference people in the relationship by what's working well or not, throw it away if it's bad, embrace it if it's good, but we would say, God, what do you have this person in my life? What is this relationship in my life? What are you working in my life? That's wisdom because God has given people to be able to sharpen us, heal and grow in our lives. And then uh, the next thing we see is that there's a returning to wisdom that happens in Jesus. Uh, Proverbs 3, verse 18, it says, wisdom reminds us of the simplicity of the Garden of Eden. So listen to this. That's not what Proverbs 3.18 says. That's what I said about Proverbs 3.18. You guys get that? That's not scripture. Got to make sure. Revelation says not to add to it. So I'm not adding to it, people. You guys know what I'm talking about? That's what I wrote. But I got all, I got all into it like it was scripture. That's not scripture. This is scripture. You ready? Okay. Proverbs 3.18. She is a tree, speaking of wisdom, of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Now, the word blessed means that uh, the stuff of somebody else is given to you. Blessed is that, you know, like if God blesses you, it means that he takes some of his stuff and he gives it to you. And so what is this saying? Notice it says, is a tree of life to those that take hold of her. And so Bible readers or people that are hearing the story of God would when you hear tree of life, where do you go back? Where are you transported back to? Transported back to the garden. And all throughout scripture, you see trees. Like when we studied Genesis recently, God would bring us back to the tree, the place of creation, the place of decision, place of wisdom by speaking of a tree. And so in the garden, it was a place where humans would ask of God for wisdom, and he would give it to him because people weren't born with perfect wisdom. It's, it was always set up that something that we would receive from God. And so wisdom is a tree of life, and you're to go to it. But for us, because what happened to that first garden is that the relationship was severed, and it says that people, what, they ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which simply means that they referenced a different wisdom or understanding instead of God's wisdom. That's, that's what's going on in the world. Our worldview as Christians is that, is that, you know, to answer the question, well, uh, you know, where do we come from? Well, God created everything. What went wrong? People chose different wisdom than God. They chose a different way of understanding good and evil than learning from God. That's what's gone wrong with the world. But then also when it comes to a worldview, well, what's the answer to fix it? You know, is it more money? Is it more computers? Is it more technology? Uh, is it, you know, more, uh, you know, I don't know, more programs? No, we know that the answer is Jesus Christ. The answer is, is that what happened on another tree, which is that Jesus died for the sins of the world to make things right between God and man and man and other men, uh, or people and other people. And so wisdom is a tree of life that we gain access to through the cross of Christ. Through the tree of Christ is that how we gain access. And uh, we have a three-year Bible reading program. 
And you know, you can read through the Bible in three years and there's a chapter a day. And then the part that it's on right now, I read the other day is Romans, reading through Romans, New Testament letter to the Romans. And Romans 10 is so powerful. And, and I was reading this, I said, wow, this really speaks to, to wisdom uh, for relationships. It says in Romans 10 verse 9, it says, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all, and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Cue in on verse 11, where it says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will never be put to shame. Never be put to shame. And I specifically, as I read this, I felt like this was important for us to read because the whole idea is, is that you have all that God has and who he is and his resources to make things right. And sometimes we, we filter the things that are in the Bible and what God calls us to religiously. Like, in other words, this is the sacred thing, which has to do with my eternal destiny and salvation. But then there's like my real life, which is just like, eh. But everything is sacred. Like, this includes like your real life. And so if you have relationships today, call out to the Lord. It's what he's saying. And, and when you called out to him for the first time, if you have to to believe in him for salvation. When you called out to him, he didn't just hear, hey God, I, I want to be, uh, be in heaven someday. What he understood and what he signed up for was to transform your whole life, here and now. Right? Because a lot of times we think like, because the message is, hey, if you want to be in heaven when you die, then pray this prayer, do this thing. So it's like, okay, cool. I just signed a deal. It's the best deal ever, but I don't get it until I die. So I got to do something really terrible, you know, and then I finally get this stuff. But the New Testament doesn't teach that. The New Testament teaches that there's this quality and length, eternal, of life that begins now in relationship with God. So you have God that has everything and owns everything and all the resources of the world and, and has the best life that you possibly can ever have. And he has this for you. And he's like, here, this is what I have for you. And so it, how does that work though? Because a lot of us struggle with that. It's like, okay, what do I do? It's wisdom. Wisdom is the vehicle for God to work that out in our lives. And so there's this thing that God declares us as a new creation. He declares us as uh, sinless. He declares us as saints. He declares us as a new creation. And yet you wake up and you say, yeah, that's not me. Because you have this real life that you're living and you have these emotions and you have these things you're telling yourself. But God says, no, you're this, but I'm going to give you wisdom in your life and you're going to become that. It's also the process of sanctification that you become what God has already made you to be. And so when you call out to Jesus, 
You're not just calling out like, hey, my eternal destiny, but the quality of life now. So your choice. There's all kinds of other avenues to try to fix life and do things, but God says, hey, how about using my wisdom to do it? Um, I was thinking about this and just the idea of like people asking for life in Jesus and like how anybody that calls out to him um, can receive life. And um, I was thinking about like part of your history, like even if you're just here today or you're a part of this church as Vineyard, like part of your history, your family history is through the Jesus movement. Uh, and you know, maybe you've heard that before, maybe how these, you know, uh, people in general, and especially the church, were looking at uh, people, you know, the young people during that time, they, they called hippies. And uh, they just looked at them and they said, you know, they have no rhyme or reason or no way. And it's just, they're doing unhealthy things. And, and so especially the church just sat back and just said, man, we're lost. We're in trouble. And uh, there was actually, God did something throughout the United States and other parts of the world too. But um, the uh, a big epicenter of it was Southern California. And so part of your history uh, that you're here in, in a part of a vineyard church and take part of this comes from the Jesus movement. Uh, because uh, Chuck Smith was, uh, was a pastor. He's a, he's a Foursquare pastor. And then he, he left Foursquare and, and, and just took over this little church. They called it a little country church in Huntington Beach. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know how country, but, you know, the beach is there. And it's just kind of open land is the point. You know, there are not tons around it. And just a little small, you know, little building, you know, kind of like this, maybe a little bit smaller even. And, uh, you know, he had children and, and they, you know, they, they saw hippies walking around the beach and stuff. And so he sat around one day and he just said, he said, you know, uh, um, you know, one of his kids or wife, uh, his wife Kay, you know, they said, he said, hey, you know, we should meet a hippie. You know, we, like we need to meet one of these people. And so, so, you know, they, all of a sudden one knocks on the door and says hello. And it's this guy, Lonnie Frisbee, you know, and, and, and Lonnie Frisbee was a hippie, but he, he knew Jesus. And so he went up and down the coast, he'd hitchhike up and down the coast and he'd share Jesus with people and bring people to Jesus. And so, uh, there's actually a movie coming out, comes out next month called Jesus Revolution. And so I encourage you to see it, um, you know, some of us already have tickets for stuff. Talk to me if you want to go. Um, uh, but it's important because this call was put out to people and, and, and tons of people just said yes to Jesus. And what happened is, is that while you looked at their lives and, and everybody said there's no wisdom in these lives, but just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people became wise in their lives and followed Jesus and, and laid the foundation for you to know Jesus and experience Jesus because they simply answered this call. They simply answered that. And, and I mean, you can look it up and you watch the movie to see, uh, uh, you know, uh, dr dramatic, uh, you know, scenes of it. But, uh, you know, just the scenes in Southern California, just thousands upon thousands of, of people lining the cliffs of the beach and, and just thousands and hundreds being baptized and giving their lives to Jesus. And, and you know, that church, you know, uh, uh, grew and, you know, tens of thousands of people. And, and then uh, Vineyard, you know, came out of that. Vineyard started as, it was a vineyard, the first name was a bunch of Calvary Chapel, like home groups or small groups, home churches. That's how Vineyard started out. It was a bunch of people that were just seeking after that. 
And so, so your lineage is, is the simplicity of that, meat and potatoes. Jesus says, if you call upon me, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart and believe that Jesus Christ died for, uh, died for your sins, rose from the grave, then, then you'll be saved. And just not your forever, but your whole life. And so that's wisdom. But what we end up with, though, is we end up with strong relationships. So Ecclesiastes, which is another wisdom book, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. So here we read the power of going from one to two in our lives. And most weddings that I do, I read this scripture and talk about this, the power of going from one to two. But it just doesn't have to do with uh, marriage. It has to do with relationships. I mean, and notice, if you're paying attention, it doesn't, it only talks about good things in relationships, right? You know, because you may read and say, well, yeah, that's great, you know, that uh, you get this help, you get this help, you get this thing, but, but what about the hard part of relationships? Well, it's kind of built in here that the hard part is answered by this next part, the last part, where it says we see going from two to three, where two people will be joined together, but then you have a third. What's it talking about? Well, we think that it's talking about the idea of, of God being intertwined in your relationships. You know, that whether it's your relationship with your child or relationship with your parent or relationship with your spouse, relationship with your coworkers, your neighbor, that God would be intertwined in that relationship. And it's, it's, it kind of gives this idea that, that then that relationship is resistant, that it's elastic, that it's tough, that it's solid, that the relationship would then take on the attributes of, of God. That's what happens when we involve God in our lives. And so wisdom is saying to God, God, would you invade my workplace? Uh, you know, that, that person that you annoy them and they annoy you and you're, you know, you've told each other stories that they're out to get you and you're always battling with them. God, would you invade this relationship? Would you be in this relationship? And would you bring your wisdom into it? You know, your, your marriage today, if you're married, um, you know, or if you're dating somebody, uh, you know, or if you're single, you know, invite Jesus into your singleness or your dating relationship or into your marriage. And what he does is he brings himself, he brings his attributes, and he starts to work those throughout our lives. And so uh, here's something important, though, is that um, so much of uh, like reading of Scripture and, and teaching can be uh, like me-centric or us-centric. And like we're talking about relationships, so I'm sharing invite God into this. But I will tell you that if you really want to transform your relationships— and especially your most important relationships, your family relationships, your marriage relationship, you know, 
uh, if you really want to transform those relationships, it's, it's, see, like, you already have God's attention. Like, your desire for healthy and strong relationships, you already have Jesus' attention. He's all about it. Like, that's his greatest desire that you would be fulfilled in your relationships and especially the ones that are most important, the most intimate and real relationships. He wants you to experience all that he created those relationships to be. You fully have his attention. I fully have his attention. So there's this thing that can happen with God is is that we, like even when we come to Jesus or we invite Jesus in, we kind of make it like like our life is the focus. You know, and it's kind of like this thing like, uh, you know, it's almost like Jesus didn't exist before he became a part of my life, you know. And then, and then I invited him, you know, and, and then I did this, and then he did, you know, and I will say this, the purpose of Jesus is, is he will transform your life, he will transform your relationships, but the purpose of Jesus is, is not for your life. The purpose of Jesus is to be king. The purpose of Jesus is to be God. He, he actually doesn't need us. And so the true power to transform your life and my life is not in focusing or trying to focus him on changing and transforming our lives. It's what he does and it's what we're talking about. But the true power is where we give him our attention. The true power is where we give him our focus and we focus on the things that are important to him. You see, you cannot mess with or break. You can strain, but you cannot break a relationship that there's two or more people focused truly in on Jesus, loving and worshiping him and being on mission with him. That's the power. That's what we talked about a few weeks ago, koinonia. People gathered around Jesus in his work. And so, because I know some of you today, you're saying like, you know, I've heard this before. I mean, they read that at my wedding. They read it here. And, you know, you're saying, yeah, that's great. Put Jesus there. We got a seat for Jesus at the dining room table. We got, you know, you know, uh, if you're a middle school dance, you know, put Jesus in between you, keep some distance, you know, just like, right, like put them all in there. But I'm just telling you, I, I'm, I'm trying to be real clear that your, your relationships, whatever you're struggling with today and, and your, your objection, if you're not seeing that transformation, that change, that health come into your relationships, it's be, and yet you're inviting Jesus in, it's because you think it's all about you. You see, your relationships, whether marriage or friendship or employee or anything that we do or citizen or neighbors, it's all to testify to the goodness of God. You see, we are this witness. We are this mirror to one another to tell of the goodness of God. And so, I mean, do you you see that, you know, two people, uh, three people, however many that, you know, grabbing hands and saying, let's go after him. See, purpose and mission and focus changes. And you say, well, 
I'm married to somebody that's not a believer or, uh, you know, I'm, uh, my son is not a believer. My daughter's not a believer. My parents aren't believers and those things. You start with one. The question is, is are you going after Jesus? Are you giving him your focus? Are you giving him your life? Are you worshiping him? And what that does is that trickles out to the others over time because love is there. And so how can we take this home? How can we apply this to our lives? Um, Invite Jesus into the relationship that needs the most wisdom right now. You know, what, what, what's the one that you sit there and say, yeah, yeah this, this relationship needs help. Invite him into it and seek after him. Wait, read, listen, pray, share. You know, when you invite him in, a lot of times this is what he says, don't do anything. Okay, don't do anything. Don't do anything, you know, because a lot of times our beliefs about situations and things and people are off. And so when you invite him, he says, hey, let me do this. And then he's going to show you things about yourself. I'm just telling you, that's the first thing you do if you invite him into whatever relationship today. First thing he's going to do is he's going to show things about yourself. And he's going to say, hey, I want you to pray for this person. And as you pray for that person, what's going to happen is the father is going to give you his heart for that person. And, and it's not that they're not going to be a messed up person anymore or whatever, but it, now that they're going to be a, a messed up person that's loved by God and loved by you. And I've seen it so many times. And I'll try to handle situations in my own energy and those things, and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, Lord, I know. All right. God, would you give me your eyes for this person? And I pray for the person. And I, I learned this in, in my 20s, uh, on staff at a church and battling with my, with my boss, you know, and, and, but I was right. I mean, just, just, you know, so, you, you know, and, uh, and so we were battling. It was just like weeks after weeks and, and, and I'm, I'm sitting there and, and I'm, I'm like gearing up, like I'm loaded, both barrels, like, yeah. And then, and all of a sudden the Lord says, hey, that's my son. I love him. And, and, and all of a sudden, I just, I just got compassion for this person that I was battling with. Lord gave me eyes for that person to see that way. My heart softened towards them. They didn't change, but I did. Because God was in a situation. So invite him in. Invite him in. You know, and then if you're not yet, hop into a group. Explore wisdom together. Let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for your word today, the things we've read. We thank you for your invitation to know you and walk with you and surrender to you. And, and God, we... Um, uh, we don't want to play games where we talk about the eternal, we talk about the length of being with you for eternity, but then this life is just kind of like whatever. 
We truly want your kingdom come now, Father. We truly want your kingdom come now. Yeah, and you just may pray that, that just that prayer, you know, the Lord's prayer in your heart, you know, um, where Jesus says, you know, when you pray, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. And, and on earth, put your relationship there. Say, in my marriage, in my workplace, in my neighborhood, in my relationship with my child, in my relationship with my parent. Ask for God in that place for his kingdom and his will to be done. Because Lord, we, we make a mess of this life without you. And God, we have such pride, Lord. We have such pride that we act like we, we've got it all covered, Lord. We are, we are desperately in need of you, Lord. And God, I know that some of this is you're going to work this out over time, but in some ways, Lord, I just ask that you would do a miracle, Lord. That you'd bring insight, that you'd breathe life, that you'd bring hope, that you'd bring truth, Lord. Because some of us are tired, Lord. Some of us are tired of wrestling in certain relationships. And so would you, would you do in a moment what would take us so long to do, God? Would you break off the unhealth in our lives and our hearts? Would you break off the lies? In the foolishness that we brought in, would you bring in your wisdom and your presence, Lord? And would you heal, Lord? We worship you now, God. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to bkcwest.com.